Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. Today we're studying in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 21. Here's Pastor Ryan. Father, we thank you for your grace, your love, and mercy upon our lives. We are so grateful that we can come into this place that you've provided and worship you and lift up your name and to seek to do your will and to be a people of God. Uh, But Lord, uh, we need your help. We need it every day, and tonight's no different. As we study, Holy Spirit, lead us into your truth. Give us humble hearts to receive it, Lord. Remove any distractions of the day. Strengthen the inner man and woman here this evening uh, from the tiredness of work and and just the busyness of our day. And help us to receive your word. And may it bear fruit in our hearts. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say amen. Amen. So tonight we're going to be shifting to a really good king. Josiah. Josiah is a king who, you know, if not the best, one of the best since King David, would reign for 31 years from the time of 640 BC to 609 BC, 31 years. He would experience peace and blessings and prosperity because he loved the Lord so much and he would do so many reforms there in Judah. During his reign, world power shifts from the Assyrian Empire being the dominant empire of the world at that time to the Babylonian Empire. And we know that the northern kingdom of Israel has been taken into captivity by the Assyrians. This was God's doing because they had forsaken the Lord and chose to worship pagan devils rather than to live a blessed life with the God of Jacob. So they're gone. The southern kingdom of Judah is still there, but it's hanging by a thread and the wrath of God is coming upon them as well because they too have turned uh, from the Lord. Uh, Nineveh, the capital, the capital of the Assyrian Empire, will be destroyed in 612 BC. That's during Josiah's reign. It will totally fall at the end of Josiah's reign. And then the Babylonians take over and they will eventually take the Judean Empire into Babylonian captivity, that famous 70 years of captivity in Babylon. Josiah was the fourth and final reformer among Judah's kings following uh, Asa, Jehoshaphat, and Hezekiah. But his reforms were greater than them all. He had a heart for the Lord that is so beautiful, and I'm excited uh, to get into it. Uh, But we're going to finish up with the last chapter and deal with Manasseh, his grandfather. We're going to deal with his son, Amon. After Manasseh died, Amon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Meshulameth, the daughter of Haruz of Jotbah, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord, as his father Manasseh had done. So he walked in all the ways that his father had walked, 
and he served the idols that his father had served and worshipped them. He forsook the Lord God of his fathers and did not walk in the way of the Lord. Then the servants of Ammon conspired against him and killed the king in his own house, but the people of the land executed all those who had conspired against King Ammon. Then the people of the land made his son Josiah king in his place. As we read last week, the interesting thing about Manasseh, Ammon's father, he, would, he reigned 55 years. And for the majority of his reign, as we read, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Great wickedness. The things that Manasseh did were just horrific. There were many wicked kings, but Manasseh seemed to really destroy the southern kingdom of Judah. We read last time that he shed much blood in Jerusalem. Not just in Judah, not just in the southern kingdom, but specifically in the city of David, there was human sacrifices going on in Jerusalem. And this is children sacrifices so it's the abomination then and it's the abomination now with the abortion issue for those of you who aren't as strong on that issue as christians we need to be because it's as old as genesis and throughout scripture it's a abomination to the lord but can the lord forgive people who have had abortions absolutely the blood of Jesus Christ forgives us of all of our sins. He died for all of our sins, including the sin of abortion. And he rose on the third day for the justification of sinful man, for those who would put their faith in him. So Manasseh was wicked. I mean, he even you know, made an idol and placed it within the temple of God itself. And so there was, there was pagan worship within the temple of the Lord. That's who Manasseh was. And then the Lord would warn him and his people. But Manasseh would not heed. So the Lord allowed the captains of the Assyrian king to come and capture Manasseh. And they took him uh, by hooks in his nose and chains to his ankles called fetters. And they dragged him to Babylon. And while he was in Babylon, he came to his senses in his great distress and anguish and pain and torture the Assyrians were known for torturing their victims their captives and he cried out to the Lord and the Lord heard him and he repented and the Lord allowed him to go back and actually be king again before his death and Manasseh would clean the temple would tear down the altars of the people in the high places and he commanded all of Judah to worship the Lord. That's what happened before he died. But his son here, Amon, we're told in 2 Chronicles that he, unlike his father's repentance, he did not. He went to the end of his life with just willing to trespass against the Lord. Roll the dice. Live like the wicked. Do whatever he wanted to do. Roll the dice with his life. And we read that his servants, his own servants, murdered him in his house, assassinated him. And it goes to show you there is uh, the reality of living a life of wickedness. That there is judgment to come 
And there is recompense here on earth as well. Nobody gets away with the wickedness that they think they get away with. And that is why we preach the gospel. Because the judgment of the Lord is real. And the only salvation from the condemnation of our sins is through the cross, through Jesus Christ. But the wicked doesn't get away with it. And for those of us who are disheartened or disillusioned with the lack of justice in this world, where evil is considered good and good considered evil, where the wicked are not even getting the senses that they should, being released, capital punishment is almost extinct in our country, there is no deterrent. There's no deterrent for crime, for evil, for wickedness. But it's neat to know that wickedness doesn't pay off. Amon chose not to walk with the Lord, to walk in the ways of the world, to live like the pagans, and evil pursued him. And that's what the Bible says concerning the wickedness of this world, and sin, and wickedness, evilness. Proverbs 13, 21 says, Evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous, good shall be repaid. In Proverbs 14, 14, it says, The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. Amen. Amen saw that his father did these reforms, repented, but yet he didn't choose his father's ways, his later ways, he chose his father's previous ways. God forbid. And so rather than walking with God, in a sense, he backslid. He went like the pagans did. And so there's a warning to even believers who would think about compromise. Those compromising days are over. We either belong to Jesus Christ or we don't. We've either committed our lives to him or we haven't. There is no half-stepping with the Lord. And we need to be careful with backsliding. Because those who think that they can love Jesus and still have a foot in the world, I mean, look what he says to the churches about being lukewarm. I'd rather you be hot or cold, but because, you know, you're neither, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. You're lukewarm. So we need to be hot for the Lord. We need to be serious about our lives. If we're not, then don't. But let me warn you, if you do not follow the Lord, evil pursues sinners. Bad things can happen like Amen, who got assassinated. Proverbs 11.3 says, The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. The perversity of the unfaithful. The Proverbs also say, says that the way of the unfaithful is hard. Sin is pleasurable for a season, but then things get hard. They get hard because God allows them to be hard in order to chasten us, in order to correct us. So his life is a what not to do. And now the rest of the acts of Ammon, which he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? And he was buried in his tomb in the garden of Uzzah. Then Josiah, his son, reigned in his place. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedadah, the daughter of Adiah of Bozkath. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. What an entryway to this young man's life. This little eight-year-old boy becomes king. Just a little baby boy. 
But it says that he walked in the ways of the Lord. He did what was right in the sight of God. And, it, and, the, and the writer compares him to King David, the great king, who was a man after God's own heart, which was his ancestor, which Jesus Christ is also the ancestor of King David. That's why when Jesus preached in Galilee and everywhere he went, they said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And as you see, the Old Testament is preserving the line of the Messiah that would one day come from the lineage of David. And Josiah was a good king, but Jesus is the greater king who even the good kings in the Bible failed and sinned, but not our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, but became sin for us that the righteousness of God may be bestowed upon us. So um, Josiah, what an amazing guy he is. And it says here that he walked in all the ways of his father, David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. So he knew what direction he was going in. And I think as believers in Christ, we need to know who we are and be confident in who we are as Christians. We either belong to Jesus Christ or we don't. Are you you or do you belong to Jesus? Am I Ryan or Ryan no longer lives, but Christ lives in me? That's where we need to be. That's where God calls his church to be. Our citizenship is in Jesus Christ. It's not in your career or my career. It's not in how much money we have or don't have. It's not about anything that we own possession-wise. It all has to do with our heart. We either have given it to Jesus Christ and are following him, and we are Christians. That's who we are. Whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, a plumber, a custodian, a cop, a fireman, you're a Christian. That's how we need to define ourselves. Josiah knew who he was. His goal was the Lord. He didn't turn from the left or the right. He was conscious of his own uh, spiritual life. He walked circumspectfully, wise, not foolishly. He was conscious of God's presence as he walked in this world. And that's what God calls believers to do as well. To walk in a way that we're conscious of God every single second of every single day. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. Do we not understand that the Lord is with us moment by moment? That second by second, God is with us. How can we sin if God is with us? If we're consciously aware that everything we do and everywhere we go, and moment by moment, the Lord is with us. He's in our house. He's in the private places. He's at work. He's everywhere that we're at. And that's where I want to be. And that's where I pray that our church would be, that we would be a people that is very careful about how we walk. Very careful. Knowing that the enemy of our soul does not rest, but night and day accuses us before the throne of God. He does not rest. He goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Moment by moment, he wants to trip you and I up. And it's easy to get our eyes off the ball, but we can't. We can't. And that's why we're reminded he didn't turn to the left or the right. And we can, you know, think about the things that have become more important, that have taken our gaze off of our love for the Lord. Why isn't our eyes on where they need to be? That's a question we should ask, examining ourselves of whether or not we're in the faith. Keeping our eyes on our shepherd, learning from him, following him. The shepherd leads the sheep. We don't want to be the sheep that goes astray. How do we stay on that straight path, though, pastor? I think it's the word of God. The word of God. 
as we study the word of God and allow the word of God to take root in our heart and in our lives, that is the, the, the rock by which we are founded on. Jesus said for those, I'll tell you who a wise man is, wise woman, he who hears these sayings of mine and does them. I liken him to a, a man who built his house on the rock. So when the storms of life hit, when death hit, they did not crumble. The house did not crumble. They stood strong. But the foolish one, you know, built his or her house on the sand. And when trials of life hit, they fell. It is the word of God. I know no other way. The word of God is what's impressive. The word of God is what solidifies. It's the concrete. It's the foundation. It what, it's what keeps a marriage together. It's what keeps a Christian in line. Proverbs chapter 4, the, the writer, Solomon, verses 20 through 27, he says, My son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. These sayings of mine, the writer says, the word of God, do them. Keep them in front of you. Don't turn to the left or the right. This is going to keep you on the right track. It is the word of God that keeps us in the right track. Almost 99.9% .9 of counseling sessions are remedied through the word of God. And the problem with, with people's lives is there's a lack of the word of God in their life. The word of God, it's the glue, it's everything. And Josiah had a heart for it. In Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I'm amazed and shocked at the power of the word of God and, and within my family and how my wife and I can become so close and so strong and so united and so full of hope and enthusiasm when we sit down and we just read a few verses. I'm amazed at supernaturally how it makes our world so happy, so joyful. In spite of the circumstances, the circumstances can be not as good, but because of the word, man, we're straight. And that's how we keep a straight life. With our young ones, four and, four and seven, we have kid Bibles for them that we read, and it, and it pulls back the little craziness that's in them from crawling on the walls and tearing the house apart we read the word we pray with them it mellows them out you know they're not as violent towards one another the word jesus said if you abide in my word you're my disciple indeed you can't there is nothing more for a christian there's nothing more important we don't want to talk about mission trips. We don't want to talk about ministry we don't want to talk about churchy stuff we don't want to talk about anything Nothing starts before this. Nothing. Nothing will succeed unless this is the priority. Nothing. He upholds the world by the word of his power. Our lives are upheld by the word of his power. After we've been in the word, then we can go do life and ministry and all those things I just mentioned. So it is the word that he sought to honor. 
Verse 3, Now it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah. So when he was 26, it came to pass. The chronicle, in, the, in Second Chronicles, it says that when he was 16, he sought the Lord. And at 26 here, he's making a move. And the move is, it says here, it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah, he's 26, that the king sent a shephan, the scribe. The scribe was like the secretary of state for the kingdom. The son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may count the money which has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people, and let them deliver it into the hand of those doing the work, who are the overseers in the house of the Lord. Let them give it to those who are in the house of the Lord doing the work to repair the damages to of the house to carpenters uh, and builders and masons and to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house. However, there need be no accounting made with them of the money delivered into their hand because they deal faithfully. And so we see that Josiah, as he was seeking the Lord, he was moved to repair and restore the temple of the Lord. That is, forefathers had neglected, had polluted, and worshipped false idols in. So, as he sought the Lord, his heart went towards the temple of the Lord, which is, for those of us here at Sweet Hills, it's interesting that we're, we read about these repairs and reforms, and restorations of the temple of the Lord. For us, it's interesting because for those of you who don't know and you're new here, we just got this building in August. August 2nd was our very first Sunday service in this place. Hallelujah. That's where we're at. But here, Josiah's heart was for the house of the Lord. And so it says that, that at 26, in the 18th year of his reign, that he sent his scribe to the high priest and he asked him to count the money which had been brought into the house of the Lord which the doorkeepers had gathered from the people and let them deliver it into the hand of those who were doing the work and so when you come into a church and you see that like tonight we had ushers collecting money tithes and offerings or i should say they were receiving tithes and offerings from the people i mean people who don't know the lord don't know this book have no clue as to why churches do that and churches have taken advantage without a doubt there have been crooked pastors there have been crooked churches there have been crooked things but the reason why we give is because the lord commands his people to do so in order to help develop our faith because money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not all evil, like they misquoted, but all kinds of evil. And it can have a grip on believers' hearts. God doesn't want us to be bound and in bondage to our money. Can I get an amen? So when you become a Christian and everything you realize for the first time, everything that I have has come from the Lord. My job, my home, 
my spouse, my kids. It all is a blessing from the Lord that I didn't deserve. And the Lord, in testing the hearts, not that he needs money, not that we need money, it's just his way of making sure that he has our heart. Amen? Jesus would say in Matthew 6, do not, in verse 19, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever our treasure is, our heart follows it. Look at anyone's treasures. Like, what's the most important to you? That's where your heart is. What's most important to you? I've heard it said that you can tell, you know, what a man cares about by his checkbook. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 10 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicolette Street in Banning. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and just hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Chapin, above.